Hello, and welcome to episode 46 of Q&A Quest. I am Mike Apps, aka Wheels, and with me as always... Uh, Family Master, David, whatever. It's cool. Yeah, it's been a while for various reasons. Uh, spring break, uh, lots of partying. Um, Don't lie to them. <laughs> Neither of us can pull off that lie. Okay, so I was sick and got a horrible sinus infection. We were distracted by Persona 5 and Zelda and the stuff. Guess who's uh, finished Persona 5, nerd? Guess who's dominating Zelda? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. But now I've lapped him in Persona 5. I started a new game plus file and passed him again. Yeah, it's absurd. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, so... You, know, you may have seen my review on the site, which is a 5 out of 5. You may have seen our Persona 5 review on the site, which is a 5 out of 5. And you may have seen before that our our um, Horizon Zero Dawn review, which was a 5 out of 5, which means... An embarrassment of riches. Yes. This is uh, an absurd amount of 5 out of 5s for RP Gamer. I don't think... I don't think we've ever even had... In a month. I don't think we've had three 5 out of 5s in a year. Never mind in a period of, what, two months, if that? Like a month and a half. Yeah. So, um, to say it is a good time to be a fan of games is um, a massive understatement. And the funny thing about this is, uh, if you go back and listen to um, like the year in review uh, RPG cast... There was a segment about uh, you know games everyone thought could end up being overrated this year, and all the ones discussed were pretty much not. Uh, maybe Mass Effect Andromeda, but I think everyone was kind of worried about that one anyway. So yeah, people were already concerned about that before it was uh, out. So yeah, it's uh, it's a good beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, yes, I am. I am your neighbor to the very far west of you, <laughs> like thousands of miles, really. Yes. So uh, we have built up a sizable backlog of questions. Um, uh, we will. Yeah, the thread we've had plenty, and we had yeah. some other like that we had been neglecting. That we need to get back. So we will barrel through them all in a ridiculously short amount of time so we can get to playing some Puyo Puyo Tetris. It's hilarious that you think that this will actually be short. It's true. It, yeah, it's not going to happen. All right, what's our first question? So this is uh, one that Law Whoops tweeted at us a while ago, right around Switch launch. Hey, at Ask Wheels and at Fanboy Master, hmm, our shocking Twitter handles, how well do you think that the Vita 2 will do, and why did Nintendo make it? Single screen HD portable, yeah, hey. It's, it's beautiful because that's a joke, but it's also two different questions. Yes. One of them has already started to be answered. Uh, the Switch has done pretty remarkably well. Hmm. Uh, Especially given that it ignored the most obvious released window it could have. <laughs> yeah, and you know the other thing about it is it has uh, far better first-party support day one than the freaking Vita ever got in however many At years. At any it's been point around. in its lifetime. Yes, uh, uh, it came out in 2012, I believe. It is yeah. now five years old. So uh, wrap your head around that for a second. <laughs> 
Like, even even if the Switch was not also their console forthcoming, like, Nintendo has already has always taken handheld gaming more seriously than Sony yes. does. Plus, generally just has a more robust uh, first-party support engine. But yeah, the, uh, like, they've done an impressive job of trying to make sure that, like, even though they don't have, like, a cavalcade of third-party support, they've done a good job of, like, sort of highlighting uh, third parties that do exist, as well as just, like, trying to make sure there is stuff to follow on Zelda, even if it's niche stuff like Wonder Boy. Yeah. Which hey, is... Wonder Boy, that remake's really, really good. Yeah, um, it's doing surprisingly well. There's, uh, I should say, it seems to be doing surprisingly well. It just happens to be sitting at the... Uh, Top sellers on eShop. Yeah, but uh, that's a, that's kind of a thing that like Mario Kart is going to be just disgusting. Like has has already in the process of like three days become disgusting. It's sold some four hundred fifty thousand copies in that time. I believe that I can't remember if that's the number in North America or worldwide, but uh, it is apparently the fastest selling Mario Kart in history. Either way, it's absurd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the first... That, the weirdest report I saw was that it is the first Nintendo game to be at the top of the UK sales charts in five years. Since since 2011. Hmm. Which is just... Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. But, uh... But, yeah. Uh, the, the Switch, at the very least, seems to have successfully convinced people that it is at least worth looking at. Which is more than the way you ever managed to do, sadly. Yeah. For obvious uh, reasons, unfortunately. Yeah. Fair or not, it's it's really obvious how it's it's a much easier sell and like it's a more interesting piece of hardware. But uh, the other the other half of this Siamese twin question of like, will there be a Vita two and how will it do? No. If I were calling the shots <laughs> to Sony, I would say no. Don't make that. Like, it's. I mean, it seems obvious that they didn't care, so I don't know why they would try again. I mean, it's nice that they're kind of still like, supporting it for those of us that do care. Like they they support it in the sense that like they continue to not kill it. Yes, that's true. Like they will like pro- software that is submitted to them for release on the platform will continue to have certification done for it. But and they have not discontinued the hardware entirely. Yes. But it's one of those things where it's just like hardware R and D is expensive, and I can't imagine a circumstance where a Vita two really makes sense for them. Yeah. I would like to see it, but I can't imagine a circumstance where it's a good idea. Like, because because like the the companies that will that. Uh, you know, make their bread and butter on Sony's platforms, like, are the kind that, like, compromising power is really hard. (laughs) Like, compromising technical prowess is hard, and thus handhelds hold little attraction for them. So, what you gonna do? Yeah. You're never gonna get your uh, big new HD Call of Duty game on a handheld, and that's just sort of how it's gonna have to be. But hey, back to World War II. Um, but yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. But, uh, 
Yeah, so it would be it would be nice to see a Vita two, but like, I'm like, it's it would be hard to write up a proposal to Sony that like fully justified the existence of another Vita. Like, it would make more sense for them to just like you know try to increase the PlayStation branding on phones. <laughs> like here, you can download some games onto your phone. Here's that. Which creates a whole bunch of other problems because, like, st- offshoot app stores are a giant pain in the butt. But you know, mm. it still makes more sense than custom-made hardware that sells proprietary games. Video games are hard. Economics are harder. Screw up economics, man. Economics are hard. I can't fix them. Uh. Lolwoops' next question was we need a Persona Mystery Dungeon game how would you sell that game to series fans? I wouldn't because I don't like Mystery Dungeon games but I'm sure Wales might have an opinion on this <laughs> um, How would you sell it to them? Um, Which to some extent is also like what design would you put in that would make it appealing to series fans? I mean... The term roguelike is kind of sort of in, but not really, because it's more... It's a very indie game movement. Yeah. I guess I guess the issue I would have is that Mystery Dungeon games, by their degree of impermanence, are inherently kind of impersonal games. Mm. And, like, so much of Persona is characters. I'm not sure how to f- make these two uh, concepts meet. I don't think they do. I think you could certainly make a um, Shin Megami Tensei roguelike. Yeah. And I could see that happening eventually. Yeah. But I don't think Persona is the brand you want to do it with, other than the fact that Persona is the brand that's popular. I think if we're going to do it, you'd have to do some weird... um, You'd you'd have to make it really weird. (laughs) Yeah. like The only thing I can think of is like... So Persona 5 altered S-Links so that they're confidants. And confidants, like, the the only ma- the major difference for them is that every confidant needs, like, has to provide you some sort of mechanical benefit. Like, this confidant, when you raise their link, every, so, every couple ranks you'll get better at de- demon negotiation, or you will be able to buy more healing items. Like, that system is probably the most direct way that you could uh, combine Persona and a roguelike. So, say, for example, for every X number of unsuccessful trolls through the dungeon, or even reaching milestones within the dungeon, you might get the chance to raise raise a confidant with someone. Mm. And so, that confidant would, like, boost something like, say, this confidant makes you gain levels in the dungeon faster, this confidant means that a say, an uh, unidentified piece of equipment will like has a chance of automatically identifying when you find it. Like, that sort of thing might be a benefit that those confidants could grant you. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of to marry those two gameplay elements. Like, it gives a, a sense of progression and, like, adds a character uh, a character interaction element that is traditionally missing from Mystery Dungeon games. While still tying into the themes and style of Persona, and of course, like, swapping Personas would probably be, like, an important aspect of, like, equipping your character and getting them random would probably be a giant pain in the butt, and you'd be super pissed off when you lost one, but... 
Well, now I'm just complaining about roguelikes again. I apologize. That's uh, <laughs> quite all right. But yeah, I feel like I feel like the confidant system is the best way to like Trojan horse in a recognizable persona element in a way that fits a roguelike. Yeah, uh, the other way I was thinking of it was just uh, basically make a persona game, except the dungeons are roguelike dungeons, and pretty much at, start at level one for each one. Yeah, I'm sure that would infuriate me personally, but I'm sure there are people that that would like not inherently repulse enough. So yeah, but yeah, like there there are avenues to do it. I'm not sh- like you're talking. You're you're asking at least one person who is so hardline anti-rope like that they could basically never enjoy it. But <laughs> I, I do think there there is fertile design ground there, but it has to like it has to approach things from a very like how do we make persona fit this property. Not how do we like slap a persona skin on the traditional roguelike structure? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you look if you look at something like um, Etrian Odyssey, that was uh, far far easier to do because uh, that pretty much all you had to do was slap an Etrian Odyssey skin on a roguelike with some some other modifications, obviously. But the, the two sets of mechanics were more were less opposed, right? Like, Persona had randomly generated dungeons, but that's also, like... When Persona went to randomly generated dungeons is also when, like, dungeons took a backseat to the everything else. Right. Like, Persona... Like, Tartarus in Persona 3 exists essentially just because, like, the budget didn't seem to really allow for dungeons. <laughs> like, it was all spent elsewhere. Whereas, like... And and as the budget for Persona has ballooned, a lot of that money has gone into dungeons. Like, Persona 5 has designed dungeons that feel way, way better than the randomly generated ones they were getting before. They have, like, ins and outs, and they curl back in on themselves occasionally, and they fit together, like, in a more interesting fashion. It's neat. I'm glad that they're back. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I obviously am not anywhere near as far as you are, but certainly have had few complaints about the game so far. Yeah. I'm very excited for you to eventually find some time for it because it's it's very good and I want to discuss it with you. Yeah, I've started digging into it and I uh, was up way too late last night playing it. So. Yeah, I saw you were in it last night and I was happy. But, uh... Uh, yeah, I'm still, still exploring a lot of Zelda. I finally got all the memories with... I did have to Those look are really up. Really hard to find. Yeah, I did have to look up some hints online. Like one of the pictures is really hard because it's just like a shot of a forest with very few clues as to imagine where trying, the hell it is. Like imagine trying to find a forest with only random images of forests from Google Maps. Ugh. Like that's basically what finding some of those memories is like. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's it's one of them. You know, I had to kind of look it up, but I. I like had an idea of where it was, like at one of these um, special springs based on one of the goddesses, and I was right. Nice. Uh, it, it was just a matter of actually finding where that spring was, which uh, is pretty difficult. But yeah, I absolutely love the game. Obviously, I, yeah. I feel like I should inter- interrupt the thing that you're saying to finish Law Wolf's question because it's related. Oh, yes, yes. Q&A question. If you love Breath of the Wild so much, why don't you marry it? 
Uh, or at least some pluses dude. and minuses of the game. Breaking equipment, like not being left-handed, Skyrim's better than it, Nintendo censorship, butts, etc. Um, okay. That's a lot of random shit. Some of them <laughs> joking, some of them not. Most of them joking. Yes. Uh, so the thing, the thing about, um, Link not being left-handed, um, yeah, uh, pardon my swearing, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> I, I have no, I have no personal attachment to what Link's dominant hand is. So, I, I don't, I don't think they care. They being, you know, the the long time developers and Nintendo themselves. Um, I know it's been like a long time series thing, but I don't actually think it holds any importance to the series whatsoever. Because when they made Twilight Princess and they believe Skyward Sword too, they obviously did not care particularly much so like like it was it's more like i feel like it's indicative that like they made him left-handed for a fair while yeah. and then when like the choice was given to them of like how important is being left-handed how do we approach the fact that like we want to make a game for a control scheme where 90 percent of the people using it will find it more intuitive to have him be right dominant and their response was that and, and Apparently, after whatever internal discussion they had, their decision was that it didn't matter that much. Yeah. And, like, I think that's that's kind of the issue you're running into, is that, like, in this case, like, this, like, being left or right-handed probably, is, like, you could maybe make some arguments for, like, that being supposed to hold implication. But overall, it's mostly just a case of, like, eh, we, like, someone at some point decided that that fit whatever aesthetic they wanted to use. Or they didn't think about it. Like they just it, it may in fact have started that they like just imported the model from Skyward Sword and then never changed it. Yeah, it's quite possible. <laughs> For very early testing purposes. But uh Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like I just I think that they don't I I would argue that if you were to find someone who's very strident like I know people that are very stridently like, Link should always be left-handed. And I think if you were to find someone who felt that way and have them talk to, like, Aonuma, his response would be to be mildly confused as to why you cared that much. <laughs> and, like, right. some, and, like, sometimes that's, like, and sometimes, you know, that's a difference of, like, you know, representation can be important, but, like, I feel like it, it becomes difficult to do that when, like, you're talking about dominant-handedness versus, like, race. Yeah. Oh. it's one of those things where it's like you, I can I have met people and have and on a, some level attempt to understand the idea of being pissed off about it but I can't cross that bridge with them yeah <laughs> uh, it's also it's better than Skyrim uh, and breaking equipment is fine we had this discussion let's yeah. not think about it <laughs> most things are better than Skyrim wow harsh Sorry. You're going to have to make another crack at that when it comes out on Switch. Uh, I mean... You are legally obligated. Yeah. It's uh, just Bethesda. I don't don't understand how their engines are so shit. It's like, it's not even just that. Like, to some extent, their games are buggy because they're ambitious, but even when Bethesda publishes a game that is other... that. Like, but from any other company would be at least reasonably stable. It's always a mess. Like, um, like here's a here's a deep cut. Remember Brink? 
I don't. <laughs> it was a it was a multiplayer arena shooter from the like 2010 or 11, and like I was talking to some friends about this last night, and they were like, "Yeah, I remember looking forward to Brink," and then like it came out, and like literally sound didn't work in one of the arenas. <laughs> And it's just like that. There is a point where it's clear that you don't ha- spend enough time and money on playtesters, and you didn't pay any. Like you didn't spend enough time and money on it, and you didn't care. <laughs> yeah. And it's like so. Like part of the reason that games like Elder Scrolls are so buggy is that they're ambitious. But part of it is just that like Bethesda, as a corporate like structure, lowballs Q and A. Q A different thing. Yes, I different, very different thing. That ampersand is incredibly important. Yeah, but they, they I, I feel like there's enough of a pattern to establish that, like, I remember uh... Hunted, the Demon Forge. Oh, Jesus, don't make me think about that. <laughs> I wasted money on in college on that. I don't want to talk about that. But, uh... I remember I went to, like, I was thinking of The Evil Within, which is a good game. But it's basically Resident Evil 4 with, like, some kind of tacked-on stealth features. And it's way, way, way buggier than RE4. <laughs> like, way, way buggier. And, like, the the difference seems to be, like, you know, published by Bethesda yeah. versus published by Capcom. Uh, and, and the worst part of it is it's obviously not affecting their bottom line, so... Uh, yeah, like if, doubt if, they're going to change anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, like if it was ever going to like the time has, we have crossed a Rubicon where they could ever be taught that this was a problem. Like the their smaller scale productions can undersell, but there's always another reason they can attribute it to. Like, oh, no one knew what a brink was. But like for the most part people are just like, oh, but that's the games. Those are just buggy. That's fine. Oh, Fallout. Yeah, I mean, I was like a moth to the flame to Fallout, too, so I'm not even immune to this. Yeah, no, we all do it, because, like, you know, whether we whether we pay attention to the numbers involved in the internal arithmetic, when they when the game comes out and we're drawn in by the zeitgeist of, like, oh, man, everyone's playing this now, I want to be part of the community to discuss yeah. the... The, to discuss the experience we're all having at the same time, I want to be there to discuss it, and like I want to see the new world they've crafted. It's like, yeah, I have made peace with the fact that at some point something's going to explode. There's not really going to be a way to fix it. Yeah, and I guess even to some extent, some of those stories are about terrible bugs and yeah, like random crashes. That- <laughs> for, for games, for games like Elder Scrolls and Fallout, we come we come to terms with the fact that there's not really anything like even if they weren't lowballing QA, like to an extent, they're probably lowballing QA less with their bigger ambitious projects. Yeah. But like with the stuff that gets published under ZeniMax's umbrella, that's like, you know, you know, the, the, the most Forge. stable thing that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most stable thing that ZeniMax has ever released is probably like the 2016 Doom. Yep. Like that—that's probably about as much. And I would—I would assume that that's at least in part because of ID's more perfectionist internal corp, uh, corporate culture. Were they? Because um, I mean, was, they tossed out a ton of. Were they? Um, of Doom. Was Rage pub- published by Bethesda, or was that before? I can't remember if that's before or after the buyout. Yeah, I don't know. 
Was that, that, was that a horror or against example? I remember it being pretty solid, so... Yeah, I think it was mostly just, like, problematic on certain consoles. Okay, it was actually, published by Bethesda. So I actually yeah. remember it had more problems on PC than it did on console, which was interesting. <laughs> Stylized as Rage, known in the iOS version as Rage Mutant Bash TV. That's right, I forgot there was an iOS game. I forgot... That name sounds like something you would make up if you didn't know how English worked. <laughs> well, maybe they don't. Uh, I was going to say that, um, you know, discussing you know your experience with the game, I think, has been a big part of Zelda. It's it's a very like look what I found. Oh yeah, well look what I found game. Yeah, and and also look what look what I did. Yeah. Look what I figured out you can do. The the coolest I think I've seen was I saw a video of someone who uh skipped over the Lost Woods by um using the time stop on a log, you know, powering it they up. They moved so too like, fast and outsmarted the yeah, Lost Woods. So so powered that thing up, hopped on the log and flew through the Lost Woods and, you know, made it to the to the end. It just just impressive and hilarious. Yeah. It's it's an amazing game. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. just it knows where not to draw to put a wall there. I think I remember you describing it as you can do it the game, which uh, yeah, it's yeah pretty much sums it up. A, a statement borne more and more out by everything to do with the game, where like <laughs> situations where a puzzle should would by most in most games would find some way to short circuit your clever solutions. Like now it worked. Yeah. Like the mazes, yeah, you can climb up, <laughs> climb up to the top if you have enough stamina, and skip around. I was still a big fan of that uh, Twitter video, that video that circulated on Twitter like a month ago. That was just like trying to get to complete an electrical circuit from one end of a shrine to another, and they just toss off all of their metallic equipment and lay it end to end. <laughs> Did that really work? It worked. Oh my god. Oh my god, I wish I had thought of that. That is amazing. It was really, really... Like, it's one of those things where you're, like, impressed and also mildly angry that it worked. <laughs> uh, this should not have been allowed. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of funny, like, some of the shortcuts you can take, and it's just like, well, I kind of want to go back and actually go and do it the right way. <laughs> yeah, because I feel bad. <laughs> I'm glad that that worked, but also, like, it shouldn't have, and I didn't deserve the victory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zelda's good, you guys. Get, oh, did you see the DLC got announced? I did not. Uh, yeah, like, hard mode and the new map feature got announced, which is, like, essentially a heat map. Like, all the new features are, like, things that are meant to make it easier to tell what you're missing. Huh. Well, like, that, that could be useful in hard mode. Like, the heat map that exists, what it does is it takes what you where you've been in the past 200 hours, and, like, it, it highlights that stuff on the map. To make it easier to tell the places you haven't been. Hmm. And there's like a Korok mask that when you're wearing it, the game gives more feedback about like, there's a Korok nearby. That'll like, help you all find the... all 200 seeds? You mean all 900? 
Is it 900? It's 900. Jesus. People, people found what happens when you get all of them, and it's the most like ridiculous, <laughs> unsatisfying thing imaginable. Yeah, I saw that. It's pretty hilarious. But yeah, it's 900. It's way more than you could ever use. Like, you will stop getting new inventory slots hundreds and hundreds of seeds before you actually uh, have found all of them. Which I appreciate. It's like, you shouldn't have to find all of these to get these benefits. It's not worth it. Yeah. But I need to step off for a minute. Alright. So, we, this is where we will take our first musical interlude, and we will be back shortly. See you soon. back and our next question is going to be read by dave <laughs> guess who's not playing hearthstone and can read things uh, we got a lot of we got a lot of persona questions that are going to somewhat like directly meld into each other but uh this first one's from budai uh Persona 4 came out fairly quickly after 3 compared to how long 5 took. It's impossible to know, but just for fun, do you think Persona 6 will come out this gen and somewhat quickly, or do you expect another long wait? I think it's worth noting, like, this is a pattern that was pointed out to me long ago, and it's kind of borne out. Like, Atlas likes to do a thing where they make a game in a... They, they make a game, and then they quickly iterate upon it, like, seeing what went wrong, or, like, things that could be improved, and then, uh, you know, a couple years down the line, and then that franchise sort of goes away for a while. And then long, long later, it comes back. And whether by intent or not, that's what they did with Personas 3, 4, and 5. Yeah. But, like, you know, back in the PS2 era, you'd get things like, oh, here's Digital Devil Saga 1 and 2, and that's kind of a more traditional RPG style, and that traditional RPG style sort of went away after those two, because, like, they made a game, made a sequel, quickly iterated, and then let it go. Uh, Devil Survivor, uh, Raidoku Zenoha versus the Solus Army, and Raidoku Zenoha versus King Abaddon. Like, bam, bam. Like, couple years of each other. Here's the game, here's the iteration, then that series goes away for a while. Shin Megami Tensei, as a franchise, like, the mainline franchise, goes away for a long time. Four and four final. Then, you know, who knows? Like, five is probably a few years down the line, since it's presumably the game that they teased for Switch back when the Switch got announced. Like, it's one of those things where, like, they always sort of keep their options open about... Or, like, Devil Survivor. Here's, here's the strategy RPG Shin Megami Tensei. Here's an iteration upon it. Then it goes away. Well, and... Then they added voices. Yeah, and, but they didn't and actually then it make away. a Devil Survivor 3. That's true. Like, Record Breaker is a substantial, uh, like, addition, much like Persona 3 Fest and Persona 4 Golden, but they didn't actually make a Persona 5 for a long time. They didn't make it, they still haven't made a Devil Survivor 3. Like, it'll be a few years before we get Shin Megami Tensei 5. Like, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, you, you kind of see a pattern of how they do things, so Honestly, I think that a Persona 6 in the Persona 5 engine is probably pretty likely. Yeah. 
And I also know, think an updated release of five is likely. So, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I'd be all for that. I think so another would thing, I. another thing to consider is to just remember the number of uh, PS3 slash Xbox 360 games Atlas developed. Almost none. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Like uh, Catherine, Persona Five, kind of. <laughs> And that's about it, it basically. <laughs> yeah, so, um, uh, I don't know if they ever and, considered and Catherine was spe- and Catherine was specifically a Persona Five engine test. Yeah, and I don't know if they ever considered making uh, Persona Five like a portable game, but it, it doesn't seem like it. So, uh, there are indications that it was originally a 3DS game. Oh, interesting. When the again, this is piecing together some interviews and some announcements that never happened. So, when the 3DS was first, like, was about to be shown for an E3 in, like, 2011, there was a list that came out that had Shin Megami Tensei on it, Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor on it, and Shin Megami Tensei Persona on it. Shin Megami Tensei Persona suspiciously took way longer to appear than those other two. Uh, It finally materialized as Persona Q. But the thing that lends more credence to this is that when Persona 5 finally re-emerged years after being sort of, like, teased for quite a while, uh, its director was like, yeah, we started development on this in early 2011 on another platform, but then things sort of, like, it kind of didn't, it wasn't working out the way we wanted it to, that version of the project got abandoned, and we sort of moved it to PS3 later. Hmm. So I think there is, like, you can't say 100%, but I think there is reason to believe that at one stage it was meant to be a 3DS game, and that the early, like, performance of the 3DS scared them off. Because, as hard as it is to remember now, at the time, the 3DS was a tremendous failure at at launch. Indeed. Indubitably. (laughs) So, yeah, it it was kind of a, like... You can't say for certain, but there's enough to say that you could reasonably connect those dots and no one would be able to say you're making an, a tremendous reach. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I just saw something that said, like, uh, sales for the 3DS uh, were up recently. <laughs> so Yeah, like, that thing, has a, that thing has a tremendous tail. The Switch is doing... Uh, we, we mentioned this at the top of the show, but, like, the Switch is doing remarkably well in Japan for anything that even dares to label itself a console. Yeah. Like, it consistently... Like, the the thing that's telling about it is that it... the the drop-off rather than the first-week sales. The first-week sales were pretty much in line with everything else, but it hasn't curved downward the way that others do. It's like, you have that initial burst of launch... And then they sort of, like, there just aren't as many units, and so they they sort of top drop the way that most launches have for the longest time, where it's like, okay, it's down to, like, 10,000, 5,000 units. No, it's like, it's still doing 40,000, 50,000 units a week. Which is pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. Good sign of long-term health. Hopefully it continues. I want the console, I want there to be at least one healthy console in Japan. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I suspect that we will actually see a Persona 6. I don't know what I want from that. But I'm glad that, like, 
they keep they keep doing different things with the themes, and I like that. Like, it, it, one thing that Persona does aesthetically that is very nice is that every Persona game has a very dominant color, and the fact that like, you know that 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 color is everywhere. It's and like th this is even more pronounced in five, where like the entire interface is so good. But that game is so stylish. It's so gorgeous. I just like, like to look at it. Oh, man. <laughs> Never mind even play it. Just I've been playing the game for a month at this point, and I can't get Life Will Change out of my head. <laughs> uh, you, I don't think you've even encountered that song yet, but it's the song that plays when you're actually stealing someone's heart. Interesting. And it's a really, really, like, great jazzy number. It's really good. Uh, that, like... Persona, the the commitment to stylistic identity that Persona has is truly admirable, in the sense that like you, without any further context, you could listen to a song from Persona Five, a song from Persona Four, and a song from Persona Three, and just the style of it will immediately tip off which game it came from, yep. even though they are all reasonably mechanically similar. The games are so stylistically, like, insurant upon themselves that they must have an identity above so many other concerns. Like, the game, everything in the game must play into its identity. And that is something I think that is part of the reason the games resonate so much, is that, like, they make sure that every aspect of the game's style aesthetic and actual game design feeds into the identity of that game hmm. like it, in much the, I mentioned the confidant system like the confidant system is interesting because it is still the s-link system fundamentally and it hasn't mechanically changed but the wrapping around it is very much like this idea that every relationship you have in persona 5 is give and take like they're doing the the reason you're doing this is not just that you want to be friends with them but because they can provide you a personal benefit and then like the end point of that relationship the game is like you have turned your vow into a blood oath and it's like you have gone from a merely give and take relationship to like two people that like that that give and take is part of the strength of your relationship that the strength of your friendship is given over by the fact that like either of you would give whatever and it's very interesting because it contextualizes bonds in a way that's very different from like personas three and four where uh in three they're just sort of things you do because you have time and whatever and like that's also reflected in three's much more lackadaisical uh time management system where three allowed you allowed you to I can go hang out with a friend and I can go to the dungeon every day whereas with four they 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 split that two-headed monster and were like nope now time management is the gameplay like if you want to go do dungeon you are going to have to give up the chance to do anything else and like so so that made the game like the, those bonds became more important to you the player because like you had to sacrifice to get them and like they fit into the themes of like you know the, this very small town where everyone is sort of like being rocked by this one like set of calamitous uh 
tragedies. And, like, every little bit of that town's story <coughs> interconnects. I, I'm sorry, I'm rambling about the way that Persona ties itself together. I apologize. but No, it's fine. But but every bit of the town is rocked by that calamitous tragedy, and, like, every bit of them is a little piece of the truth of the story of that town. And five, it becomes a, a much more, like, you're, you are, you know, it, it fits into that, like, pulp novel, uh, per, like, gentleman thief aesthetic that the game goes for. And, like, re oh, man, I just, I love everything about the aesthetic, like, it's interesting, the the, desi the design they went with for the main character as well, because the main characters in Persona 3, he's sort of like, like, both of them are supposed to be sort of cool, because that's, they look kind of, like, interesting, or they stick out in a way that, like, makes them stand out even when they're just walking around in their school uniform. And this is mentioned in the art book, actually, it's one of the insights they, that Soejima gives in that art book, is that the the characters the main character of Persona 3 and Persona 4 like both of them are supposed to sort of look some like Persona 3 is sort of like standoffish mysterious cool and Persona 4 is sort of like tough boncho like leader cool whereas 5's like the main character outside of his thief outfit is supposed to look very unassuming and he doesn't really get to wear his school outfit in a weird way that the others do yeah. but like once they they designed him so that he would look unassuming in a school outfit, but really cool in the thief outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is what happens when you give one guy a domino mask. Domino masks are cool. <laughs> True. But yeah, the the marriage of gameplay and themes is how you get the best out of both of them, and Persona does a really good job of it. Yeah, and one other thing I've always uh, appreciated that they've done is the teenager characters uh, feel realistic. Like, I think too often... A lot they, of they kind of... Yeah. Too often, a lot of Japanese games get too into, like, um, over-the-top characters or anime tropes and not necessarily realistic characters. And I've always felt the characters and the series have felt real to the point that they aren't always likable, which is... Which is fine. Yeah. That's you know that's how they're supposed to be. Yeah, like there's a reason that like the second that you stop being a teenager, the reason you can tell is because you're like, oh, teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like it's it's one of those things you, you appreciate that. And one of my favorite things you haven't you haven't reached this point, and I apologize. I, I don't know if I should say this or not. There's a there's a it's a bit about like the way they use phones to communicate. Like one of the things they do. There's a bit later in the game where Ryuji's like, okay, for our Phantom Thief chat, I made a special icon so that we always know that, like, someone, like, it's the group texting me about Phantom Thief activity. And the thing that makes it so good is that he's like, oh, cool, I made a unique icon for it. Wait, why can't I see it? Oh, it only shows up here. How do phones work? <laughs> But, like, there's a lot of... Like, the game has a lot of... It's interesting. Uh, like, w with each of these games, they've tried to... They've moved a little more towards, like, characters being a little less immediately definable in one sentence. And that can be very dangerous when you're making games with very broad archetypes. Because, like, the characters in Persona 3, 4, and 5, they're all fairly broad archetypes, but they, they're given texture by how they're written. 
Mm. In five, they've moved more away from the idea that you can define them with a quick one-sentence summary that will satisfactorily explain what makes the character appealing. And so you get some of these, like, there's a lot of really good incidental dialogue. There's a point in, there's a random piece of dialogue that can show up in one of the dungeons where, like, Morgana, the, the cat character, who is, like, very, very concerned that, no, I am not a cat, I have been cursed to be a cat, I am not a cat. And so there's a great bit of dialogue later in the game where he's like, yeah, I ate part of an onion to prove I'm not a cat because if I was a cat, that would have killed me. And it's so... Like, there's so much communicated in this statement because, one, <laughs> he's desperate enough to prove he's not a cat that he ate something that he knew very well could kill him. <laughs> Two, when, when pressed upon this, he says that Ryuji dared him to... <laughs> Which raises the question of three, what did Ryuji think was going to happen if he did it? <laughs> oh my god. It's so good. Like, one thing that Persona 5 also likes to do is that it, it, it strives to show how a character enters the dynamic of the, the pre-established group each time they show up. So each time that a character joins the party, you'll start to notice a pattern of, like, they have to spend some time at Café Leblanc. Like, they have to spend some time there, because that shows how they interact with you, it shows how they interact with Sojiro, and it shows how they interact with your party who comes to visit them there. And it sort of allows them to sort of naturally, uh, slowly convene as part of the group and feel like a character that is that belongs there. It's, it's, very, it's very good, and all of those scenes are some of my favorites. <laughs> good times ahead yeah it's it's real good and I, there are definitely things that I think can be added with a re-release I want a re-release especially when I handheld please 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 I want to be able to take this game everywhere but uh it sounds like they should switch things up yeah maybe maybe <laughs> but uh I'm going to make that pun endlessly I apologize yeah I'm not even going to complain because I want it on switch so badly but like it's, it's one of those things where, like, there are things in the game where it's like, I wish there was a bit more of this. I think there's extra room here. You could put something here. It would be fun. Like, there is space in the game to add stuff that I think would be beneficial to it. Persona 4 Golden is a more complete experience. Like, this is comparable to Persona 4 when, that, when Persona 4 Vanilla was released. It's a better game than its predecessor, and it is of reason. Like it would stand alone as it currently is, reasonably. But I think there are places you can add to it, and it would make the game m that much more impactful. And I think that there is like space in this world for that ultimate version of Persona Five that really just adds just that little bit more that makes it perfect. Sorry, I. I the game is so... It's, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> uh, which, which does bring us to Budai's next question. I also wonder what sort of spin-offs they will attempt with this cast. If you could imagine anything with this cast, what sort of game would you want? Another fighting game or something completely different? We kind of have an idea of what they want to do because like everyone who has ever produced a Persona spin-off is like, we want to do the same thing, but with five. <laughs> and so like... Those are probably all in the pipeline. One thing that I noticed when I finished the game is that, 
and I'm going to try to not spoil anything, because, yeah. But there's a lot of elements of Persona 5's backstory that are a complete black box. They are required to exist and to have happened, but you know very little about what caused them. Like, the, the underlying nature of them is left bare. And when you finish Persona 5, it, it feels like it's the first cast in a very long time that they designed with the idea, we can tell more stories with these people. They're not done. And I think I, I would like to see a more straightforward continuation. I want to see more of these characters. I would be their story is satisfactorily complete at the end of five. There is no need for a Persona Five Two, but I would play it, and I feel like it is a cast that can sustain it. Sorry, just uh, give me give me more Persona, and we'll take it all. Yeah, no, I like. The thing is that it doesn't matter what they make as a spinoff, because I'll play it and it won't... And it, there will be no way to stop me. <laughs> like, a lot of them would make fun fighting game characters. They've got, like... they I could see really fun movesets. They've got really oh, fun, distinctive designs. Persona One thing 4 I really, versus Persona 5 Arena. Cat oh, versus yeah, like, Bear. Oh, my God. I love... Like, Morgana is such a fun character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, one of my favorite things that I saw was someone like someone made fan art where they like reimagined one of the like Persona. They they took the Persona Five uh, like phone screen and reimagined it to have like all the Persona Four character portraits in it. And <laughs> they had the only thing they had put there was just Teddy had like texted into the group conversation with just the phrase "send nudes." <laughs> And it was like, yeah, that's not, that is precisely what yeah. Teddy would do with a cell phone. Yeah. But <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I would play, I, I would love a Persona 5 Ultimax, like, given that they already, like, one of Atlas's partner uh, companies, like, registered a butt-ton of different URLs. And a lot of them, like, they they might have no further insight than we do, because a lot of them are just like, we want to make sure that just in case there is something, we are absolutely going to make sure that no one has domain squatted these away from us. <laughs> so they took, like, P5U, P5AG, P5R, uh, like, P5, like, a bunch of just different, like, Persona 5 plus what could this acronym possibly be? No idea. But, uh... Like, it was basically just making sure that, like, they have all their bases covered, no Oh, yeah, and Persona 5 Dance. <laughs> there were, like, five different URLs that were just different variations of dancing. But, uh... Yeah, like... It's, uh... Yeah. <sighs> Man, I, just, I love the game, I love the cast, I love... I've... I'm partway through my second playthrough. I love everything about it, as is probably completely obvious by the rhapsodizing I'm doing. Uh, I'm very glad Atlas replaced my missing Morgana plush. Oh, man, good on that. them. Yeah. Morgana's great. That was, I was pretty, like, pretty sad when I opened the box. I was like, oh, no! <laughs> the one thing I wanted from this! Like, getting that's like just getting kicked in the balls. <laughs> I don't know, the soundtrack you got with it yeah, I I had to oh, buy man. the full soundtrack though. That was not enough for me. I know, I know. Like I need that full soundtrack. It's huge, and there's so many. Like all of the vocal tracks are like yeah. instant classics. It's on iTunes, thankfully. Thirty bucks. Yeah. 
well worth it. Uh, it's, it's so good. Like, it's such a good soundtrack. It's yeah. such a good soundtrack. I've got that. I've got tracks from that and the ukulele soundtrack. And I forget what else on my iPod right now. But yeah, yeah now it's oh, it's so good. But yeah, I'm I'm very curious as to what sort of what what theme they go with for the next one because I mean like when when they you know they made Persona Four like you were you know amateur detectives basically and Five they just like. They turned that on its head, and like they went full like, like gentleman thief, Arsene Lupin, Lupin the Third, uh, like everyone you could think of that like anyone that had ever had a mark on popular culture as like a thief, Ishikawa, Goemon, Robin Hood, uh, Zoro. Oh man, I love one of my favorite dumb details is that Morgana's persona is Zoro. And there's a book that is like just you that you can get from the school library as each character joins that is essentially an explanation of what what their persona why their persona matters. Hmm. And Morgana's since Morgana is always following you around, Morgana like comments on the books you're reading. And when you get to if you're reading Zorro, Morgana's like, essentially, pay attention to how cool my persona is. <laughs> It's really good. Oh, man. Persona 5 also has one of my favorite things. Like, no one really did this in prior games, and that's part of what makes it fun. There is a bit in Persona 5 where characters discuss the designs of their persona. Like, they're like, oh, man, yours is really cool. Why doesn't mine look... Why doesn't mine have X feature? And it's just like... Like no one ever did that in three and four, where they like com- they compared and contrasted their individual personas. It's really good. Uh, yeah. Oh man, I just I love it. I love the game. I love it. Love it. Love it. Um, but yeah, I would. I'm down. I will eat whatever like Persona Five spinoff they poop right out onto the onto the market. Like Give it dancing. Me. Dancing is all but guaranteed. Uh, like fighting, probably not far behind. Uh, updated re-release, pro- probable. Persona Six, plausible. Like within, you know, within a smaller time frame, plausible. It's it's a good it's good. I want more of it. Uh, the the next bit from Budai. I think looking back on Persona 3, the development team may have seen many fundamental things that could be improved upon, controlling the full team being the main one. They probably led to a quicker turnaround to developing 4. Do you feel there are any standout issues with 5 that might lead to Persona 6? Female option, like or, or like Golden added? Golden didn't add a female option. He's thinking or, of uh, yeah, P3 portable. Yeah. He's thinking of P3P. I, was, like, I assumed that was a typo and switched to, and thus said or like what Golden added. But uh, there's concept art floating around from very early like all of these games start out with male and female protagonists and they never succeed the issue you run into and this is going to be kind of a cop out it's just like you're writing two games you're writing two related games but you're writing two games and when at, when push, push comes to so- shove like the developers ultimately conclude that they think that they can convince uh, they think that it is easier they're they consider their primary demographic to be teenage boys who are they consider to be unlikely to play a game where they can only play as a girl. 
Whether that's correct or not, that is the uh, attitude they seem to go through with, and so ultimately, inevitably, the female protagonist is dropped until there is time to implement it. Like, there's pro- there is very early concept art of four that has a female protagonist who never showed up. There's very early concept art of five that has a female protagonist that never shows up. I hope they I hope they do it because I think that that gives them an interesting way to re-examine the world that they already created. But like I will, the the things they add to these updated re-releases are inevitably very interesting, and so I will take whatever they add. Uh, as for like what the, it's really hard for me to say say what they could add that doesn't like spoil aspects of the game for wheels. So I guess all I can say is like one of your last like your last party member shows up really late in the game. I wouldn't mind another dungeon so that that character gets more chance to interact. Hmm. Like, in Persona... Like, it's it's very analogous to Persona 4, where Persona 4, Naoto shows up really late. Like, yeah. really, really late. Like, October, and the game's over in December. And it's pretty... It's fairly similar, like, time frames for Persona 5. And so it's like... You can maybe insert this character into some earlier scenes. Like, if you're looking for this character, you will find them in earlier scenes. But unlike another character that's very late, they don't get a lot... All of their buildup is very subtle. And it's it's hard to... Yeah, again, I'm very much dancing around a lot of aspects of what I'm saying. Get back to me in a few months when Wheels has gotten a little further. But uh, I, I think that that character in particular could use some extra time. They don't get a lot of interaction, and so you don't like. I, I their S link is fine. They're they're probably my least the party member I'm least interested in. But at the same time, they they I do feel like the game does them wrong by not showing them very much. Mm. Uh, other than, like I I would there there's a big old gap. Uh, at a certain, like, right before the epilogue that, like, theoretically you could insert things into. I'd be interested in, you know, like, that's a place you could put something if you needed to. Uh, but otherwise, like, uh, you know, like, I've I've been spitballing fake S-Link, like, additional S-Link ideas with friends, like, just based on the fact that, like, by the they they added two S links to Persona Four Golden, and one of them was with a character that already existed, and one was with a character that didn't exist. <laughs> and so, like, I've been spitballing like the idea of just like who could you add, and like who would be the most nonsensical. So, like, oh, a, a confidant link with like your parole officer, <laughs> like that sort of thing would just. But I, I have no idea. Who among the current existent cast would be uh, logically open to being an S-Link? But who knows? Like, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of little background characters that are kind of fun. I'm not sure if they could sustain it, but, like, they can also just add characters. They've never been shy about it in the past. Yeah, why not? But, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, a female option is, of course, the ultimate, like, that would be really nice. It would give you an entirely new way to play the game. It would, you know, give people who wanted to play as, like, who would like to play as someone that reflects them. If you're, you know, if you prefer to play as women or if just you are a woman that wants to play as someone who reflects your, you know, gender, like, here's an option. That would be nice. I really would like that to be more available. But, you know... 
like that is also of course the most expensive option because if you saw what they how far like the thing that made it nice in persona 3 portable is that they didn't go do it halfway they really went all in on like we rewrote 90 percent of the s links and like everything about the game got changed it gets like the entire interface got redone to like the interface was much simpler to change in four in three which also is part of it like the interface in three is is much less connected to the art style and so changing the interface by color swapping from blue to pink was a little easier whereas five needs like a completely new interface to reflect the new character oh man i think one thing that's easy to forget is all the uh the anime sequences that would have yeah like, like that type, just dawned on me like yeah, they'd have, to have like, two versions yeah well they have to hire the same animation studio and have yeah. them do it again but uh yeah that's that's kind of the issue you're going to run into with, with like retrofitting one on a product that already exists it's just like we have this character design that we've like do, do you give her joker's outfit do you make a new outfit for her that like and what does that outfit look like? It's, you know, it becomes a very, like, charged aesthetic issue. And I, like, it's one of those things where I would like it, but it be, like, the more you think about it, the more you realize how much has to, to really reach the level of quality that you want from this option, the more that has to be done to actually make it reach that level of quality. Because, again, one of the things that made the female side really cool in portable was that it really did it didn't just be like now everyone says she instead of he like they you know they rewrote like even just all the all all of your dialogue options changed as well to reflect the fact that like this cipher of a character has a different personality than that cipher of a character when you were playing the male side right so yeah like I, I would like it, but I'm not convinced we're getting it. Because, <laughs> like, the issue becomes, like, the amount of manpower you need for that, you could be spending on Persona 6. <laughs> yep. Which, you know, maybe they'll they'll do a solid and find a way to, like, design around having both at the same time, but, like, I, I don't know. Uh, let's see... Have you? Oh, this was this was something specifically for Wheels. Have you ever sold or traded a game and regretted it? <laughs> These are all from Budai. Uh, my secret shame. Secret. Yes. This is like a matter of public record because okay, I give yeah. shit about it constantly. Yeah, um, all the time. All the time. Like Wheels has the good sense to cull his collection occasionally. Meanwhile, I have games that I hated on the PS One and never got rid of. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's it's a case of like uh, you know, there's there's different types of collecting, and I'm not really like the uh, I'm not trying to build like a complete collection or anything. I'm just buying what I like to play, and occasionally I'll like get a series, get into a series, and be like, okay, I'm gonna grab all these games, and yeah, that's not always a good idea. So yeah, it's a and Remember when I had to keep telling you not to buy Call of Duty Hardened Editions? Okay, I only bought one of those. You tried to buy more. I did, I don't know why, but anyway. 
sometimes they get a little overzealous when I'm selling games because it's like, okay, I'm short on money, I'd like to get this, I can trade in all these things, boom, and then it's like, oh, well, why why did I trade that in? Uh, I'm trying to think of, I think the worst was when I sold my copies of, um, uh, why am I blanking on the name of the subseries? Shimagami Tensei, uh... Devil Summoner, Devil Survivor... No, no. Uh, the other PS2 one. Uh, Digital Devil Saga? Yes, thank you. And I was like, well, that was dumb. Uh, Granted, those are cheap now, but... Yeah. For, for, a period, the Devil, for a period, Digital Devil Saga 2 was actually the most expensive PS2 Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah. But, I mean, eventually I was able to re, you know, rebuy them. It was yeah. all good. Um... <laughs> Like, the the feeling of, like, I used to have this and don't have it anymore and want to play it now is the reason that I'm just, like, essentially a low-level video game hoarder. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think now that I, I, I guess I'm getting a little older, I'm trying to, like, just... I want to go through and look through stuff and be like, okay, I'm not going to play so much of this trash. Like, I have random Monster Hunter clones, like, uh... <laughs> You have a ton of those. Yeah, I do. I have, like, uh, the Ragnarok one, which is trash. Ragnarok Odyssey? Yes. Uh, I need to Why do I remember that. the name of that? I hate me. It, it's And it's the uh, second one, Ragnarok Odyssey. I don't know. Extend or something? Less terrible, but still terrible edition. Harsh. <laughs> I'm going to say, like, meanwhile, I'm just... I, I, I'm an idiot, first of all. I mean, that's obvious. But, like... I, I was I was musing to myself a few nights ago that if you gave me like a PS1 and uh, uh, the equivalent of an EverDrive for PS1 or PS2, I would play every bad game just to find out a little bit more about them, to contextualize the history of like what did games look like? Like by by year, it would be just like okay, I'm gonna play a little bit of every PS2 game in 2001. Like, what did that first batch in America look like? What were all of these awful things? Because I remember the PS1 and, the PS2 in 2001 has a terrible library. Like, all of them are bad. There's so many bad games, like, even bad games from good publishers. Like, you get stuff like, oh, yeah, Oni from Rockstar and Bungie. Oh, that game's so bad. Um, but, like, you know, that, that sort of thing fascinates me. Like, that concept of, like, the the ambient history of design like like you like oh i love it and i just i i would be lost forever within that sphere because i'd be playing like freaking woody woodpecker escape from buzz buzz buck buzzard park yeah that's a real game we should <laughs> what we should probably be doing is uh finally finishing playing all the tales games oh my we we had it. I believe our standing bet for that goes back to like 2011. That sounds about right. <laughs> I think we both got through like at least about two games and came to the conclusion that we were dying. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> they're really long. I mean, if you look at like maybe last year and the past few years, we don't really have much excuse because there was a lot of garbage that came out. But this year, it's like 
um, this is not a year for backlogging through because, uh, as we discussed in the beginning, it's been like absolutely absurd. And multiple hits, and it's just going to get worse. Yeah, and and not just the trio of fi- uh, five out of five games. There's been other really good, like even good the games. recent Tales game is apparently a particularly good one. Yep, uh, you've got some cool platformers like the ukulele. Uh, we mentioned Monster Boy, right? We we mentioned Wonder Wonder Boy Wonder in Boy, Mon- I guess. Monster World Two, uh, Wonder Boy in Monster World. Oh, I'm so angry at everything about that series titling scheme. There are two, there are two Wonder Boy threes, but no Wonder Boy four. That's deeply confusing. But isn't there a fo- no? That's Monster World four. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Damn it. <laughs> no way. So so the way that it goes is Wonder Boy, then Wonder Boy and Monster Land. Which is uh, Monster World One and Wonder Boy Two. Then there's Wonder Boy Three: The Monsters Lair, which is a shooter, and Wonder Boy Three: uh, Monster World Two: Wonder Boy and Monster uh, Monster World, which is different from Wonder Boy and Monster Land. Then there's Wonder Boy Five: Monster World Three, aka what? What? <laughs> what? It's so confusing. <laughs> and then like all of them have like like Wonder Boy in Monster in Monster World, Monster World 2 is like it also was released as like I think that was the one that was also released as Dynastic Hero. And then one of them was my favorite thing is that since like Wonder Boy's cousin series Adventure Island, which the original Adventure Island is just Wonder Boy one with a different sprite, and then they diverged, and all the all the Adventure Island games are much more close to being uh, Wonder, Wonder Boy one. Takahashi Meijin, sixteen shot, but uh, like the there is a version of Monster World two that was released in Japan on the Turbo Graphics as Adventure Island. I don't understand. But yeah, Wonder Boy in Monster World Lake is gorgeous and wonderful. The Dragon's Trap. Uh, you can also play it as... Uh Monster Girl or Wonder Girl. Yeah, that's nice. That's a good, which is a good improvement. I'm never going to remember. You can also, is. for some reason, swap uh, passwords from uh, new game from that to the Sega Master System original and back for some it's reason. Wonder Boy slash Wonder Girl, right? Not Monster. I okay. don't understand, but you can do that if that's really a thing that you need to do with your life. It's uh, you can also just swap the graphics and music when you want to. So there's not really a reason to play the Master System version, but the passwords are cross compatible. So we are back after weird technical oh, difficulties. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, like that's <laughs> totally recording on the same day. Yes, absolutely. Like literally, we actually went back in time and recorded from before. It's true. Oh boy, that universe is 
doomed. Yeah. Uh, Whoops. Um, so we were talking about Wonder Boy or something, but we're just going to move on to the next question. Yeah, oh boy, I better uh, definitely already have that link open. That's the thing that I did. Sure is. It's definitely not a thing that I completely spaced. Uh, wheels, stretch, make noise. Uh, Quick, what, what is that song's title? I know that you should know. How? Why would I know that? Entrance of the Barbarians. I didn't Not even barbarians, know. Barbarians, gladiators. I had no idea it had a name. Yeah, of course it hasn't. <laughs> I just thought it was called Dead 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 Dead. <coughs> yeah, exactly. Entrance of the Gladiators is, I believe, its title. It's the Dead 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 song. I huh? like it's a circus. It is literally a circus. I might also be, uh, it might also have another different, slightly different title, like Entrance of the Gladiators is, I believe, what it was originally, it was, like, it was a military march, and then, like, it got renamed, yes, yeah, so when it was redone for a circus use, it was renamed Thunder and Blazes. So, you know, there's your trivia for the day, I have opened the thing, I don't remember what question we were on at all. <laughs> Uh, it's all the one, on the drain. We, were, we were on the one about the thing. That's that's incredibly helpful. I don't even know how to d describe uh, how helpful. Okay, you're just right just all right. Let's go through the questions real quick. Okay, uh, okay. This is we had we had finished. Have you ever sold or traded a game or system and regretted it? Yeah. So let's go to which is more important to you: good plot or good characters? This is the last Budai question. Hmm. I wouldn't say one is necessarily more important, but I feel like good characters will draw me in faster than a good plot. Yeah, pretty much. Like, if a character is sympathetic to me, it's like, oh, well then, I'll follow you as <coughs> long... Like, it's harder for me to follow a plot that is interesting if I don't enjoy listen like enjoy any of the people involved in it than it is for me to follow a plot I don't find terribly engaging but enjoy the characters involved in. So, you know, like, there's, again, we, I think we've talked a bit about, like, how, like, the genre of game you're looking at is also going to deter determine, like, what kind of plot s stories you can tell. Yeah. So, there's a, there's a lot to go, there's a lot to unpack there, but yeah, gut reaction characters. <coughs> yep. Moving on, this is really just a persona fest in terms of, like, statements and questions <laughs> made. Uh, the, the next few questions are all from Victor. This first one's not a comment, it's not a question so much as a comment. It was basically saying that he did not feel that Persona 3's ending was uh, as bleak as, or, or as bad as we uh, were all basically spent half of the last podcast dumping on it. Objection! Um, I disagree. So, so here's here's the thing: good plot versus good characters. Uh, he he brings up that like a lot of Shin Megami mainline Shin Megami Tensei games and other games in the Shin Megami Tensei subbrands, and much less hopefully than Persona Three. That Persona Three is not a great deal more upsetting, and in absolute terms that's true. But other Shin Megami Tensei games are nowhere near as character focused as as the Persona games are. 
So mm. when the world turns out okay in other Shin Megami Tensei games, it feels more hopeful than when the world turns out okay, but your character... Like, when the world turns out okay, but your characters are screwed in another Shin Megami Tensei game, you sort of like, well, the characters weren't the focus, saving the world was. Mm. The plot was the focus, not the characters. Whereas with Persona, because the game is so much about its characters... The world is those characters. And I think more to the point, you spend so much time developing the main character, um, maybe in your own mind, uh, not so much as you, like how you're so much more. Yeah, that's a, that's another thing is that you're so much more invited to project upon Persona's main character. Yeah, like the because like there is never a point where someone addresses you in a modern Persona game. And the game implies a dialogue option that you aren't allowed to pick. Right. Like, if someone addresses you, and, like, there is some sort of dialogue that's supposed to be happening there, there is at least the semblance of a choice of how you're going to react to it. And that sort of forces you to, like, on some level identify with that character more than just a normal silent protagonist. Like, you know, you get choices in other SMT games, but your character isn't really the point of those choices. Mm. Like, you get things like your reason in 3, or the alignments in 1, 2, and 4 that are like, okay, you're, you're sort of like... Again, it's not about what your character is so much as your character's philosophy about the world at large. Yeah, yeah your character in those games is always pretty ill-defined. So when your character gets wrecked at the end of a like Persona game, you're going to feel much more betrayed than if mm -hmm. your character gets wrecked at the end of a <laughs> Shinigami Tensei game. Or if you accidentally open a black hole and everything becomes nothingness, you know you've got a lot less invested. Uh, did you get the? Did you get that <coughs> ending? Oh, I sure did. <laughs> Which, uh, that's the demon ending in Nocturne, or no? That was in uh, four. Oh, you got that ending. Yep. How do you get that by accident? I didn't really realize what <laughs> where it was headed. Like that is that is the <laughs> ending where it's like, yeah, everything sure is bad, isn't it? What if there was nothing instead? <clears throat> well, at least I had at least it doesn't like delete my saves. <laughs> at least it didn't near you. Yeah. But yeah, no, like it's uh yeah, I I'm still I'm just gonna sit here and be shocked for a second that you got that by accident. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea that's where it was headed. <laughs> but yeah, no, like it's uh it's a uh, Yeah, it's it's harder to feel uh, like you're you're not supposed to feel as invested in character stories in traditional <laughs> Because they're not as much the focus, right? But you know, which isn't which isn't a fault, but it is a case of like, you know, it's a different it's a different philosophy. Which is why they're less soul crushing than Persona Three was. Yeah, although they are still, uh, you know, quite upsetting. I mean, yeah. like if Persona uh. Persona Three is late nineties anime is is late ops anime in its in a distilled JRPG, then like. The first couple of Shin Megami Tenseis are like a late nineties, uh, a late eighties, early nineties, like cyberpunk OVA, where you expect, like, when you picked up uh, a that sort of 
type of anime you sort of like expected okay they've got enough budget for about three episodes and one of two things is going to happen it's not going to end or everyone will die like that was just sort of how those worked and so like Shin Megami Tensei 1 and 2 sort of have that as an aesthetic and you sort of expect it <laughs> uh, and Nocturne's basically uh, it's, it's Devil Man um, it's a, it's a heavy, it is a way less like nightmarish devil man, but it's still devil man. Uh, and if you know anything about how devil man ends, then, uh, pleasantly, well, you know that that's not going <coughs> to turn out great for you. So yeah, like it's one of those things where like, it's also the expectation set of the audience. Like, I don't know how soul hackers ends because it's a brutal, like really unforgiving and kind of old game and I haven't ever gotten around to going back and finishing the 3DS version even though I was really happy that it happened I need to go back and finish that it's on the pile but like that's a late 90s cyberpunk anime like which is probably a little more hopeful than an early 90s cyberpunk anime but it's still <laughs> you know a cyberpunk story yeah it's it's just like the mood of these things is influenced by just the kind of like pop culture that they were drawing on and so persona tends to get more hopeful over time but like it takes a while to sort of reach that point mm. and Video again game. and again screw the ending of persona 3 also screw the ending of persona 1 like that how, how's that one end again it's not depressing it's just unsatisfying because your character is a mannequin in that one but like the entire, like... The, the end point of the story is, like... Oh, the girl that, like... The, the girl whose mental problems sort of caused all of this... Like, they get fixed, and she's like, I love you. And then that's the ending. Like, oh, I guess you're dating her now. That's weird. <laughs> Your character is like a mannequin who doesn't, like... When I talk about a silent <coughs> protagonist who does not imply personality... Your protagonist in Persona 1 does not imply personality... Like, he is a complete slate. And, he, like, even the rare questions that he's asked are, like, the answers are much more in the, like, I don't know, vague philosophy sense rather than a characterization sense. Hmm. And so, like, when you see him at the end in a relationship, it's like, one, this character was not healthy enough. The character you're in a relationship was not healthy enough to be in a relationship until like an hour before the ending. And two, they don't build up to it at all. It just happens. <laughs> it's just like, what happened? What? Why? What? Okay, whatever. Video games are weird. Yep. But yeah, that's... Uh, that's yeah. Basically, Persona 2 is the right kind of soul-crushing for its plot. Please enjoy. You can play that on your Vitas. Yeah, you can play the PSP version and the PS1 version and be very sad that you can't get the extra chapters from Persona 2 Eternal Punishment Portable, but I'm sure Atlas did the best they could. Please play them. I really like Persona 2. I want other people to talk to it about. One of your party members' dads is Steven Seagal. There. Please. I'm trying to find any, any hook to sell this to you. What can I do to put you in a nice Persona 2 today? <laughs> <laughs> we'll discuss it. We'll we'll table this for now. I've got I've got a lot of nice contracts written up. Like you can get it for cheap, 
I'm sure that it had on sale because everything Atlas is always on sale. I've already uh, got it in multiple forms. Yeah, I need the digital version. I just feel like I ought to be able to access Innocent Sin at any time. But, uh, yeah. Persona. Persona. Okay. Persona. Very poisonous. Um, okay, so uh, another from Victor. I assume you've heard of Atlas's extremely strict restriction on streaming Persona 5. In particular, gamers are warned that streaming any P5 content after a specific in-game date could result in a DMCA claim that could get their YouTube or Twitch channel banned. This is serious business for gamers who make money or earn a living off of YouTube or Twitch streaming. What are your opinions on these draconian streaming regulations? Do you think this policy will help or hurt P5 sales? Do you think we will see a lot more drastic streaming restrictions in the future from Atlas or other companies? Uh, I'll start with, like, my opinion, which is that I don't have much of one, because, like, and, and this is going to be a very, like, me response, which is that I love playing Persona, and I can't think of a more boring experience than watching someone else play it. Uh, who exactly is making money off of streaming single-player RPGs? I uh, don't, dude, don't, don't think there's Don't many. ask that question. Uh, yeah, like right. plenty, of, plenty of people may like LPs can be serious business if you've got like the if you get enough of a yeah, following. Right. But like, uh, for one, I would say that uh, I'll give them points for one thing. They were very upfront about what points, like how much you could show of the game, and they, it's not like they start like people started streaming it and found out about this when their Twitch channel got banned or whatever. Like, they were up front, like, here's the points you can stream up to, please don't stream after this. And, like, I understand their reasons. Like, I've seen people be like, ha ha ha, they said that you can't stream past this date, that means that something important happens on this date. I'm gonna, I'm gonna level with anyone who's been playing, who hasn't played the game yet. Nothing of importance happens on those <laughs> dates. They are specifically, like, they are specifically chosen to sound to be like dates that are far enough away from anything important happening that you wouldn't like accidentally like blunder into a spoiler by seeing something on that day. But the other thing is like I, I'm sympathetic to these to this issue because it is like I, I do think it's fair to call a well, a well done stream or LP can be transformative work. On the other hand, a lot it is fair to me to argue that a lot of people who are interested in the plot, which is something that like happens a lot with RPGs, it's like it might not be the best plot in the world, but I care about what happens in it. There are going to be people that are like, I'm just going to watch the important parts. And that's the that's the sort of person they're going to try to stop. At the same part, by the same token, I don't think it it's going to affect the sales that much one way or the other. If they'd done it with yeah. like Persona Four, it might have meant something because Persona Four was like before the series had as big of a cult following as it does. But like once you already have that cult following, you aren't turning many people away by removing the ability to show every section of it. Mm. It was also, I believe, a decision solely made by Atlas of Japan. Oh, it's definitely a Japanese decision. Yeah, which I, uh, I don't know. I don't think streaming is is as big over there as it is here. 
Just taking a guess. I'm not given to understand as much. I don't know Japanese internet <coughs> culture, and I cannot say with certainty. I would, like, my gut says, yeah, probably not, but I don't know. Uh, but I would say that the thing about it is also Atlas of Japan is owned by the same parent company as Sega, and Sega has for several years been very, very much the masters of using DMCA takedowns for unscrupulous reasons to fit a nebulous agenda. So there was probably a lot of debate from the American side of, like, please don't do this, this won't help us. Like, I suspect that in as much as they can, these res these restrictions will be lifted probably within a few months. They'll probably yeah. never be able to convince Japan to restore the, like, inbuilt PS4 share function. Like, that's probably never happening. But I suspect that, like, they already have moved back the, the point that you can uh, stream to by four months. Uh, it was originally a date in July. It is now a date in November. Uh... And, like, I suspect that when the game is, you know, maybe six months old, that they're going to basically say, we're not going to bother. Yeah. And they might not announce it, but it's going to become a situation where it's like, it's not worth trying to stop people and we don't care. Right. It's, it's, but it's definitely one of those things where, like, I, I do have some sympathy because, like, you know, there, this is a That's game where, more like... more than I have. <laughs> I don't care. I, <laughs> I have I have some sympathy because uh, I have some sympathy on both sides because like it's a fun game to talk to other people about. That's part of why I keep telling people like I'm I'm looking forward to Wheels playing more of it so that I can discuss what happens in the game with him. But I also can't have first-hand sympathy because I think that watching someone else play Persona is the most boring thing in the world. Yeah. It's uh but yeah, and I again, I also have some sympathy for like the idea that like, to some extent, the mystery of what is going on in this game and what its actual core, like, the thrust of its narrative is, is part of what is supposed to draw you to it. Like, who are, like, what is, what does stealing a heart entail is not something that is brought up a lot in, like, the, like, the, the, con the, the concept of stealing a heart is so integral to the game that, like, the frickin' special edition is the take your heart edition. But, like, what that entails is not really brought up in marketing materials, and, like, who you're stealing the hearts of is, like, a big thing of, like, what keeps the plot interesting. Yeah. <coughs> like, there's a lot of, like, to, to some extent, part of the value of the game is the mystery of its plot. Like, it's like saying, you know, I'm gonna summarize this entire book to you, like, as much as you probably have the legal right to do that, in fact, you definitely do, the company that, like the company that published the book is going to be kind of pissed off at you if you do it the day that it comes out. Yeah. And if they had the legal... If they had any sort of legal recourse, they'd be trying to stop you. And I wouldn't say they should necessarily, but I can see why they would. Yeah. Legal is hard. <laughs> Sorry, I just don't care. I, 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 I really... I'm, I'm trying... Funny. I'm trying to muster the energy to give a crap, and I, I just don't. Yeah, I just, like, the, the most effect this had on my experience was that the blocking of streaming any point of the game causes the game to, every time you, like, it made me aware of a feature of the PS4 that I kind of hate, which is, every time you get a trophy, the game takes a picture and stores it on your hard drive. Like, yeah, <laughs> you want to save that forever. 
And that becomes obvious with Persona 5 because every time you get a trophy, the game's like, no, you can't record this. And it's like, I didn't try. Leave me alone, yeah. video game. Well, it's interesting that little, oh, you can't record here. I'm pretty sure I've only ever seen that pop up in Japanese games. Japanese games are very much, like, much more common about, like, no, don't bother. Because, like, yeah. the Tales of games do this, too. Yeah, um, I can't remember if they drop block all of it, but they certainly block most of it. <laughs> I think it, I think it's just like the animated sequences they block. I could have sworn they also block just like long story segments. It could be as well. Uh, when yeah. I when I imported Dragon Quest Heroes back in the day, because I assumed it was never going to come <laughs> out in the U.S. Whoops, um, that actually didn't let you stream from Twitch at all. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Like it's one of those things where it's like it's. It's a cause <coughs> celebrity among a certain kind of uh, player at the moment, but it's also it's it's not actually new. Yeah. <laughs> like anything that is considered to be story based has, to some extent, like blocked out huge chunks. And like, I have seen it in American games. The one that I can think of is the Ratchet and Clank game. Will block out any cutscene that is taken from the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. They actually patched it to block out more of those. That's weird. It was back when they thought the movie might go somewhere. Whoops. Yeah, remember that? That Sly Cooper movie is definitely still in production. Yeah, that's not coming. That's, yeah, that's not that's happening. Dead. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Um, as far as like professional streamers, um, I imagine that they would probably try, if they really cared to, would just try and get around this. Like, they would probably be using the, like, until, like, most people that are professionally streaming are people that already have, like, a capture card so that they can capture anything, regardless oh, of what oh. it's... Oh, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't even mean that, like, um, uh, if any professional streamer isn't going to be using, like, the built-in crap, there's no way, uh, but, I mean, they'd probably just ignore the restrictions and either, like, you know, maybe record video and hold on to it till it was blocked, or just fight back fighting back is basically not possible because of the terms of how the digital millennium's copyright act works because really? the like <coughs> the thing that makes that such a heinous piece of legislation is basically that the accusation is proof huh. like making an accusation is enough like if the if the if whoever you are it, basically the way that it works is that if you get a dmca takedown notice and you don't immediately comply with it, you're considered complicit. Huh. So that's why, like, YouTube, when it gets, like, a copyright claim, like, it takes it down, and you now have to... And in order to get it back, you have to prove that it doesn't infringe. Like, you have to affirm it's non-infringing, rather than the normal standards of... Like, it's guilty until proven innocent. Like, other, rather than the normal standards of proof, you have to prove that the copyright that the content is infringing on copyright like the accuser has to prove nothing until there is a proper dispute that's effed up yeah the dmca is a heinous piece of legislation that no one in actual legislation seems that concerned about trying to amend in any fashion lovely yeah I've got like I got a lot of things to say about the dmca if you want to talk about the dmca like someone send us a question if you want to hear a rant for half an hour but yeah, like, th like that is why this can work, is that, like, no one, 
no one's ever really proven in court whether like streams or let's plays count as transformative work and are thus like not uh, and are thus considered like fair use or if they're considered to be derivative work and thus like entitle like the people who make these whether these things are derivative work which can be uh Copy, uh, which can be the copyright holder can say no we don't want this to happen so it's, it's a big messy ugly process i don't suspect that anyone will ever be wealthy enough to actually take it to court and try to prove it because anyone that was actually that powerful would be someone like i don't know maybe like it'd have to be a really big name streamer like a pewdiepie or markiplier that sort of person who is so powerful that they have companies lining up to actually give them money to produce more content, as opposed to merely allowing advertisements on their content. At that point, if someone was somehow ballsy enough to try to tangle with one of those people, and they never will, because, like, those are the people that, like, now companies sort of make, like, this sort of, like, oh, they're influencers, and so they have to... You guys can probably tell I'm covering up because we also had to step away from the computer for a moment. Uh, but those are those are influencers who you know you just sort of pay off, and they don't have a uh, editorial board or a uh, PR arm to sort of try to protect them from undue influence on their uh, choices of what to do. I guess best case scenario, sometimes they'll mark a video sponsored. That's about all you can really ask for. Ethics are hard. Law is hard. There's a lot of dimensions to this subject. I feel like I'm just glad that we aren't in a situation like Sega was a few years ago, where they just, like, oh man, Shining Force, what, what the hell ever on iOS is not available for... <laughs> Is not the first thing you get when you you put Shining Force into YouTube. Trying to DMCA literally everything else that says Shining Force on YouTube. That was uh, that was magical, and it seemed like such a good idea at the time. It didn't actually seem like a good idea at the time. But yeah, I am running out of ways to stretch this. I hope he's back soon. Okay, I've yammered on for a while while you were gone. I wasn't sure if you'd shut thing thing shut the thing down or not. Uh, no, it's still running. Okay, well then you can edit out the silence and leave in me yammering while I complain about you being gone. Sweet. All right. So, what's our next question? Uh, we are actually just about out. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Uh, yeah. the The last question was: Do you think this will help or hurt sales? Do you see a lot more drastic streaming restrictions in the future? I don't know how you could really make them more drastic. Yeah. So, no. Uh, but as in terms of, like, more of these, more of this type, I, I suspect that companies will probably just sit at around this level, depending upon their individual level of concern about this. And the genre of the game. You will probably find it much easier to stream Sonic than you will to stream Persona. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know the multiplayer game you you are encouraged to stream yes and please there are literally no no restrictions i believe i beg of you please I'm stream I, this. i'm pretty sure there's that's how a lot of them like sell nowadays 
Oh, definitely. Like those are those are built for streaming. It's like that's also why ha- half the reason you invest in esports is like, oh man. But what if this convinces people to play the game? Yeah, that's how I got into Hearthstone. YouTube videos. I hate you. <laughs> Embrace the card game. No. Embrace the Gross. cards. Gross. <laughs> Uh, cards are your friends. Are they? They are. They've never been my friends in the past. Well, they are now. Well, I disagree with your notions there. Yeah, you weren't expecting that. No. Uh, Alright, so we plumb out of material. Uh, unless you want to ask a question. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have a question. What's your important, terrible question? Why do you hate Hearthstone? I don't like card games. Oh, that's right. Alright, never mind. Alright. Do you want a broader <laughs> explanation? Yeah. Alright, if you want to ask us questions, you can do all the usual places. Uh, forums, Twitter, I'm, ask, I'm at AskWheels, he's Fanboy Master. Yeah. Um, there are no there are no underscores or spaces in either of those, it's terrible. Uh, Zelda, Zelda and Persona are great, play them. Yeah. What and if they were the same video game? Also, oh. Laylee and or Yuka. Yeah, usually they're a team. Usually. Usually. Looking forward to Tuka Laylee? Yeah. Snake. <laughs> uh, let's see. Snake Pass is awesome. Wonder Boy. Uh, this is not the platforming show. That's the other one. <laughs> they don't know that. I feel uh, like they do. They clicked on something called <laughs> RP Gamer and then a podcast from there. Ukulele is totally an RPG. Is it? No. No. You gain levels? How do I gain levels in Ukulele? Yakalulu? You gotta get all the pages. Shakazulu? Okay, right. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's all, folks. Oh, I was wondering if you were going to resist that or hate you. See you. Alright, how do I turn this thing off?